Well, good morning, ICP. How are you guys doing today? All right. I like the energy of the worship. Uh, my name is Jeff Rogers. Uh, my wife, uh, Carrie Beth, over here, the much younger one than me, is uh, we're here today. We are excited to be at ICP. It's been two years. Most of you were I don't know if you're here or you're gone, but I remember a couple years ago I preached here. It was in one of the like 35 lockdowns that we had, and uh, I think a bunch of guys had gone to Slovakia for, uh, I think Drew took them to a wedding, and um, yeah, so it's been a couple years, so it's good to be back. Uh, We have lived here, just a little bio information for who we are and who is this stranger up here that just showed up to preach today. Um, but Dan, I think we're, well, Dan left, but Dan, there you are. I think you're going to like this message because you are asking for help and people serving. And so we're going to be talking about collaboration today, but, um, yes. So Carrie and I have been here three years. We have two children, both in college. One is uh, a senior and graduating in December from Gordon college in America, which is North of Boston. Uh, It's part of Gordon-Conwell Seminary. And then we have a son who actually was here for two years, went to CISP, um, played football, American football, make that clear, for the Prague Lions, and he is now playing uh, American football at Wheaton University right outside of Chicago, Illinois. And so we are excited to be here today. Um, My role the last few years, actually, we have been chaplains at the Christian International School of Prague. A couple months ago, we stepped away because we just launched a church six weeks ago called Church Without Borders. Uh, It's an English service, an international service, partnered with a Czech church uh, that meets uh, at Ketcherov, which is down the red line. Uh, There's also a Russian and now Russian-Ukrainian service that meets out of there. So we just started five or six weeks ago, so things are literally getting off the ground. And so a topic today that I'm talking about actually is something we have been encouraging our congregation uh, and also others uh, to take part in. So we're going to jump right into it today. And, um, you know, Friday night I got to go to a, uh, a little school that um, moved from Kiev, uh, Ukraine, to the northern part of Czech Republic. And Carrie and I got to spend the day with them, counsel. Uh, we do member care and pastoral care for our mission organization also. And we got to spend all day with them. And then we got to worship with... Uh, with an entire congregation of Ukrainians that had uh, settled in Nova Paka, which is very north, uh, northern Czech Republic near the Polish border. And we talked about this, this idea of collaboration. And I will say that in, in, in talking to them, um, I felt sort of weird talking about collaboration to them because they had moved, right, from Kiev to Czech Republic and All hands were on deck. They have done an amazing and phenomenal job of setting up this school, of coming together as a community, uh, of sharing responsibilities. Uh, But what we saw when we were there was just a reminder of how important it is to be reminded that no one can do it all right? No one can do it all. As Dan said earlier, you need, I think, 30 people or whatever each morning to make things happen. And so collaboration, we'll get into this today. You can open up to Acts chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7 today. Um, And this is something I am passionate about. And I'm going to just put a disclaimer up here first. Collaboration is not competition, okay? Collaboration is not competition. I've been a pastor uh, in the United States, uh, uh, from actually really in Texas for about 20 years. Anybody from Texas in here? 
All right, yeah. Terry Chumley is the reason that uh, I actually ended up over here in the Czech Republic, so I blame him, but I'm glad he's back. I got to meet your new pastor, Pastor Mike, had dinner with him at the Chumleys a couple weeks ago, and really looking forward to working with him as we reach the city of Prague and beyond. And collaboration is not competition. It's not competition. I think in churches, sometimes we look at other churches or even other people in the church uh, as competition for what we may want to do or what, where we may want to serve. But collaboration is actually working together, and it is an important part of living in community. Okay, And it is an important part of contributing to society. Wouldn't you agree? And, and so the application today that I hope you walk away from as we look at the Scriptures is that collaboration that working together, allows us to work together to seek the good of our community. But here's the most important thing, to expand the reach of the gospel message as we live and serve in the here and in the now. But I think if I said this, no matter how hard we try, we can't do it all. How many people would, would raise your hand? All right, go ahead and raise your hand. If you say, no matter how hard we try, we can't do it all. All right, yeah, we can't do it. All right. Um, I remember moving a lot in university, in college, okay, and it, it felt like we were going through roommates like every three or four months, right? And so I remember being in college. I was young. I think everything I owned was like in three or four boxes. And I remember moving. Uh, we moved a lot. I'm from Louisiana, which is uh, a much better place than the state next to it, Texas. Uh, but in Louisiana, uh, it's very hot and humid in the summer. And so we would try to pile all of our stuff, uh, us college guys, into about four or five boxes and try to, like, make our way up four or five flights of stairs. You ever done that before? You ever moved before, right? And you try to pile everything in. What ultimately happens? Well, I know for me, because this six-foot-four klutzy guy, all right, especially in college, um, I wouldn't, like, tape the boxes that well. i just, like, chunk everything in a box, right? And I'd walk up these steps and inevitably things would fall through, and they would break. And then we'd have to pick up all the pieces. Or what I learned here coming to Prague a few years ago was I was used to getting into my nice, comfortable car back at home in the United States and going to the grocery store, have my little cart, right, go to the trunk, put, well, I, Carrie did all the grocery shopping, but sometimes I helped. Um, uh, but putting all the groceries in the car, Okay, very nice and easy. And then moving to Prague, where we lived actually right at the Viton stop across the river, um, and going to Tesco or Albert and having to take bags with us, right? And, you know, me being like this guy, like, oh, I can carry more, you know, I can carry as much as I want. Um, yeah, it took one time to do that, because I remember carrying a few bags, and Carrie was not with me, and I piled a whole bunch of groceries from Tesco and Albert into a couple bags, and about a third of the way home, what do you think happened? Boom, they all go across the, uh, the street, and I have people talking to me in different languages. I don't know what they're saying. Uh, I was embarrassed. I'm trying to figure it all out. Sometimes we try to carry too much. Sometimes we have this notion uh, that we can do it all, and, and it's an idea that we know, and it's something that we have been aware of uh, for many years, uh, but I, I don't like to mention the word pandemic, but it was amplified during times of pandemic. Um, almost everyone, well, everyone was affected by this, uh, especially when it comes to in-person schooling or in-person work, right? Working at home, doing school at home, the family life or just the day-to-day -day life um, dynamically and drastically shifted 
Wouldn't you agree? Like, everything was turned upside down. And many people found what I call little margin or little space um, to adapt in a healthy way. I mean, there were days where, you know, I would sit there and go, okay, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, I'm supposed to be doing this, but my mind's over here, I'm stuck in my home, Um, you know, and it sort of kind of snowballed. Um, And and then looking at it, it seemed like working at home or doing school at home, there was more to manage. Uh, There was a quote that one lady said, she said, you kind of decide what is important in the moment, and you can focus on that and do a good job with that. However, something else has got to give. And something else always will. When we try to bring too much on into our lives and not ask for help and not work together and not collaborate, other things give. The saying, you can do anything, but you cannot do everything, really rings true, especially over the last few years. And this is true in all of our lives. Um, When I lived in the United States, um, um, I got to go ask, I got asked to go speak at a coaching clinic, right? It was in Texas. I got to go ask to speak at a coaching clinic as a pastor to go uh, like do like a Fellowship of Christian Athletes deal. That's a a Christian organization for athletes. And I remember going to this major conference where there's hundreds and thousands of coaches. And, And it blew me away as I saw people who compete on the football field collaborating with one another in seminars, in workshops, in sharing ideas. And at first, I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, why would I want to share my my strategy with somebody else? But collaboration is important. Collaboration is a necessity of life. And and it's it's really important because our natural feeling is to dismiss. Our natural feeling is to ignore. Uh, And even oppose and resist people who are different than we are, right? That's our natural bend. That's our natural tendency. Um, I remember in the lunchroom growing up, I went to uh, this, this, this large school in high school, and I remember the first day I walked into this, this lunchroom, hundreds, hundreds of students, all right? Anybody ever been there before? Into a lunchroom, lots of students, don't know anybody, and I'm like, where am I going to sit, Right? It's just like coming into church sometimes. Where do I sit? Well, I, naturally, I want to gravitate toward people who, who are like me, okay? And, and I remember just sort of kind of looking around, not knowing where to sit, uh, because we want to be with people that are, are like us, and we naturally ignore maybe people who are different than us. And in today's passage in Acts 6, uh, we're going to be shown that within the church, and this applies not only in the church, in your workplace, in your school, wherever you are, there must be unity maintained among people who may be ethnically, socially, culturally uh, different than we are. It, it has to happen. And so let me sort of set the stage. In Acts chapter 6, uh, there is a growing church. It's the new church. And the reality is uh, that, that the church um, is growing and has to meet uh, head on a problem, an issue. All right? And you have these Greek-speaking or Hellenistic Jews, uh, these widows, uh, who were in need. And actually, if you go back into Acts chapter 4, verse 34, you can write that down or type that down in your phone. Uh, it says, in light of the repeated call for the care of widows in the law of Moses, referring to the Old Testament law, the neglect of the widows is a demanding problem in a community that previously claimed to have no needy persons among them. So in Acts chapter 4, even though we're in Acts 6 today, we see a problem coming. 
You ever seen a problem coming before? Like, you know that, like, oh, yeah, that's about to happen, right? It's like a slow train wreck that's about to happen, right? You see it coming. And so what happens here is you have 12 apostles who have been supernaturally inspired to preach the word, and it would have been foolish to suspend that work and focus only on meeting this specific need. It also would have been foolish to ignore the need and focus only on preaching. So they decided, as we will read, that there were seven men that needed to be chosen to oversee this important work of helping the neglected society. In other words, they, needed, they saw a need and need, needed people to fill that need. So what we're going to read today and see is collaboration. Working together between the 12 and the larger group of disciples that ultimately allowed the gospel message, which is the most important thing, to extend, to extend beyond the work of just those 12 apostles. And the fact that these seven men, as we'll read, were to serve tables, and we'll get into that in a minute, did not lessen the other ways God chose to use them. And I just want to tell you, no matter where you serve in this church, no matter where you serve for the kingdom in your community, it's the same because it's glorifying God and it's expanding the gospel message. Collaboration allows the believer, us, to seek the good of the community in word and in action. So before I read this scripture, I'm going to just ask a question. And I'll do this a couple times throughout our sermon today. I like to do things a little bit different so you can think. Have you ever felt pressure to do it all? What happened? We'll press the pause button on that as we read. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and uh, it'll be up on the screen. It says, In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, those, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek-speaking Jews, against the Hebraic, the Hebrew-speaking Jews, that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. That would be of food and supplies. And the twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry or serving, some translations say, of the word. I love this part. The proposal pleased the whole company. We'll come back to that here in a minute. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch, by the way, all Greek, uh, they had th- them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God, look at this, spread. And the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. So we've got, we got a problem. Problem number one today. We've got four, four things that we're going to go through. The first thing is we have an internal matter or an internal issue. Okay? Uh, in those days, the disciples were increasing in number, and there was a complaint between the, the Greek-speaking Jews and the Hebrew-speaking Jews uh, that the widows were being overlooked in this daily distribution of food. And, and Luke very clearly, and in one verse right here, brings to our attention what this internal matter was. The first part of the matter was that the disciples were growing in number. And when things grow, and things grow and they grow quickly and they change, um, it's hard to keep up sometimes. 
the group which started out as just 12, just 12, after Jesus ascends to heaven, 12, is now into the many of thousands. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. Like what problems that could arise from that. And so here, one of the main points today is the existing church structure proved in this time unable to meet the growing demands, and it was time to change. Just like the announcement earlier of you guys need help serving, okay? When we grow, when we meet together, when things change, as Pastor Mike prepares to come here and does, I think he's going to do an incredible job here, there's going to be things that have to change, and so we have to adjust and adapt to that. And that's always a good problem to have, but still, it is a matter that brings with it certain challenges. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree today that that would bring certain challenges? No longer... Could the church do things the way it had always done? Oh, no. Change. Change is hard, right? Change is hard. I know anytime we present change to our son, who is 19, um, he, he freaks out, man. Like, what? Change? Like, this is the way we've always done it as a family, or we have to go a different direction? Like, it freaks us out a little bit. No longer could the church do the things the way, the way it always had done before. And so this young, growing body of believers in Jerusalem needed not only the word of God, but they also needed, check this out, some level of organization to take care of the widows, to take care of the people who were in need. And so the church has to figure out uh, how to minister the word of God, or as some translations say, serve the word of God, to also serve the needs of the people if it was going to move the gospel beyond this group and out into the rest of the world. Like, guys, this is a pivotal, pivotal issue in the early life of the church that we are looking at today, and if it wasn't for what we're going to read and what we have read today and talked through, where would the church have gone? And secondly, Luke gives us the details of this specific matter at hand. These Greek Jewish widows were being overlooked. They were sort of kind of the outside looking in in the daily supply of things they needed. This was the specific issue, but what this meant uh, for the church was one of utmost importance. It was very important. They had to figure this out. Uh, When you talk about the mission of the church and the Great Commission and going into all the world and preaching the gospel... Uh, Here now we have the church who's just getting off the ground and the focus is in Jerusalem with these groups of Jewish people. And so if the church cannot include and cannot be diverse, different types of people, especially here, different types of Jews, how in the world will it ever go beyond really the borders, the walls of their church into the world and fulfill the Great Commission? It's a fascinating story. So in other words, it is not unified while still in Jerusalem. If it's not unified there, how is it ever going to cross ethnic boundaries? How is it ever going to cross cultural borders into entirely different groups of people? And so the surface issue here is these Greek-speaking widows being overlooked, these Hellenistic widows being overlooked in the daily distribution of food, but it is really much more than that, much more than that. It is an issue of diversity. Is the gospel powerful enough 
is the question that they're asking here, to save all people and knit them together into one body. Now, looking back on this, we say, yes, it is. And so my second question here is, how does collaboration or working together, when you think about collaboration and joining and linking arms together, um, how does it allow the church, and specifically today, ICP, or even the global church, uh, to reach more people with the gospel? How does collaboration allow the church to reach people to reach more people with the gospel. Something we need to ask ourselves. So you have an internal issue. Secondly, you have an internal solution. It says the 12 summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Now, at first glance, that's like, whoa, time out. (laughs) Wait, you're saying you're too good to wait on tables, right? But that's not what's being said here. The 12, that is the apostles, gather the full number of disciples, and they make a statement in front of everyone. And and, and I think this is good practice. When there's an issue and you need resolution, it's good to get out in front of everyone. This is good practice. And once they had decided through seeking God first in all this matter, they make an announcement to to those widows who were being overlooked. And they first acknowledged that God did not want them to execute the solution to this matter. He desired for them, it says, to focus on preaching and prayer. That was their calling. However, the issue did need to be dealt with quickly and biblically. Um, some English translations say to wait on tables in, contact, in contrast to like uh, preaching and serving the word as we read today. And in some of those translations, they're using different words uh, to wait or to serve, uh, but they actually they translate into the same Greek word. This Greek word is diakoneo, and diakoneo means to serve, no matter what it is. It's the original word used both, both in verse 2 and in verse 4, and it means simply to serve others. Therefore, a more literal translation would be uh, serving tables and serving the word. You see where we're going here. Both diakoneo is service. And there's no reason to use a lesser word for serving tables. It was equally as important. And so the important sense here is that those who are working, serving those in need, is on equal level. It's on par with the work of praying and preaching. You know, I always tell our people uh, at, at, our, at our new church plant, and I've always told our people wherever I pastored before, like, what you do to serve the church is just as important as what I do in preaching the word every week. It takes everyone. Just because there's somebody up here on a stage doesn't put them above everyone. Yes, leadership, authority of the church, but everything that we do to serve the Lord, to serve each other, to serve people outside the church, it's equally as important. It's diakoneo. It's service. And so both are essential in the formation of God's people. That's us. And for the witness of God's people in the world. And the life of the community depends upon these forms of service. Listen to me. The life of every church community or any Christian organization depends upon these forms of service. To take those things seriously. And Luke does not give us the sense that one is more powerful or one that is more, the one is more spiritual than uh, the other. And here's the distinction between, these, between those responsible for preaching and those responsible for the distribution or delivering of the food. And here's what happens here. This is like the beginning of 
the roles and responsibilities that are defined in the early church. Way before kids ministry, way before student ministry, way before worship ministry, even though that's my favorite, um, way before anything. It, it is not that the other roles were unimportant. There were practical needs that needed to be met immediately. As I see y'all's announce, or your announcements today, um, I see that you are providing practical needs to this community. It's important. It's so important. As we stood in front of a Ukrainian congregation, Carrie Beth and I, just uh, Friday night, all they could say were, uh, was that their practical needs have been met. They don't know how. They don't know how. And we read through this scripture, and it just reminded them uh, of, of the equalness of serving one another and how God, through that obedience of serving, blesses. He provides. And so, important fact here, guided by the Holy Spirit, they lay out a solution. And the task of caring for the Greek widows was, as we've talked about, very important. And here's the deal. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the message, was literally at stake here. This is important. Like, if they couldn't resolve this issue, this this church issue, this, this problem of bringing groups of people together and serving them equally... Where was the gospel going to go, or would it have stopped there? It was the task of the apostles to preach and teach the word of God while being, as they said, in continual prayer. That's important. They were leading. They needed to be in continual prayer, guided by the Holy Spirit. The gospel would ultimately, obviously, be advanced by them, and then the gospel would form this kingdom that we, as we sit here today, of devoted followers who would love and care for each other, no matter the situation, regardless of any cultural or language barriers. And that's what happens here. And so as we read, seven men, seven men were selected. Seven men were selected who had been tried and true. In other words, they had good reputations, full of the Holy Spirit, obedient to the word of God, full of the wisdom of God, a servant's heart. And these would be very special men. These men would be the ones who would initially would care for these widows while the 12 preached and prayed and focused on the advancement of the church to make sure that the church in totality was cared for. And in this case, that was through the distribution of food. So here's what happens. You have an internal issue. You have an internal solution. Now you have a unified church. Look at verse 5. I look at verse 5. It says, this, this proposal pleased the whole company. I don't know about you, but there's not many proposals that I have uh, put out in front of my family sometimes or my organization or where I've worked before that please the whole company. Usually when that happens, I have to like, take a step back and go, is something wrong with me? Like, what happened here, right? But in this matter, because they were guided by the Holy Spirit... This proposal pleased the whole company. That is important for us to see because they got out in front of the problem. They got out in front of the congregation. They got out in front of all the thousands of followers, and they say, here's what we're going to do. Unity happened. A unified church, third point, happened, and it pleased the whole company. God's wisdom. God's wisdom had again triumphed. And this godly solution was just exactly what everyone needed to hear. Everyone. 
And everyone was in complete agreement with it. If we look back at the names of those selected, we talked about that earlier, that it needs to be noted that these were all Greek names. And I really believe in looking at that as I was studying this, this is the way God would have the church operate. Diversity. Bring it all together. That is the kingdom of God. To make sure that this problem is taken care of and prevented in the future. The Holy Spirit selected seven Greek-speaking Jews to take care of all the widows. What a beautiful sight, including also the Hebrew widows. And so verse 6 there shows that the apostles give full authority to these seven men to carry out their God-given task of caring for those in the community who were helpless, who needed the church community to not only preach the word, feed them the word, serve them the word, however you want to say it, but to actually take care of people's physical needs. It's so important. It's so important. Which This ultimately would evolve, as we know, into the positions of deacons or elders or however you want to call it, uh, which are supposed to care for the practical needs of the congregation, but not just only deacons and elders, everyone. So with these massive numbers coming into the church, problems did occur, Right? Church growth, it happens, right? Even as, as Dan was saying, after COVID, people have left, people have shifted, people have moved home. Like any type of transition, any type of change, problems or issues will occur. It's a matter of how do we respond through the Holy Spirit by obedience to God to fix this issue. And the solution was given by God and then carried out by the apostles, So I'm going to ask this third question today. What are needs in your community? It doesn't matter if it's this church community. It doesn't matter if it's your school. It doesn't matter where you work. Whatever it is, what are needs in your community that you feel passionate about? What do you feel passionate about? I know in the prayer a minute ago, uh, the word passion was mentioned. And maybe there's a passion in you that's dwindled. And I, I pray today that that passion that you have or that you had is reignited. And how can you get involved with others that are already doing important work in that specific area? And so that is the unified church. And here's the result of this final point of unity. Look at verse 7 there. And I find this, this is just incredible stuff. When we come together, when we, when we talk about things, when we solve problems, when we solve issues, just like a family discussion, right? When the whole company is pleased or the whole family is pleased, the result is unity. It says the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests, that's a whole another side note, became obedient uh, to the faith. Because the issue that was presented to this group in the early church had been solved so wonderfully through obedience to the Holy Spirit, Luke reports something that we must not overlook. The word of God continued to increase. And I like to say that's keeping the main thing the main thing. That is our call as Christians is to love people, well, love God, love others, right? And for the word of God through us to increase. So what does Luke mean by this phrase, the word of God increased? He literally means that the word of God increased in influence, in influence. It changed people's lives. 
I have to think that because these widows were taken care of, right? Like we had the 12, and then they appointed the seven, and then we had the two different groups of, of, of Jews, the Greek and the Hebrew. I have to believe that because of this unity, uh, these guys went out filled with the Spirit and increased the Word of God through just sharing his love, sharing the stories of how he had provided for them. And here's the deal. No one had ever seen a problem of that magnitude. Thousands of people handled so graciously by everyone. And that tells me that the gospel has so much power. The gospel had so much power that it saved Jewish speaking in different languages, knit them together, brought them together into a Christ-focused community. And that's hope for us today. No one had ever seen widows being cared for with such love and, more importantly, precision. Precision is important, like identifying the need and like stepping into their lives. Not just saying, yeah, here's some money, go get you some food. No, stepping alongside of them, journeying with them through those problems, through those issues, taking care of them, that's precision. No one had ever seen such a massive movement of God because after this, the church, like, legit explodes into all areas of the world. And the apostles served the word. And the appointed servants, those deacons, those elders, led the way in care and compassion to the widows. Church unity was the result. Church unity was the result because it pleased the whole gathering. I would say today we're all given gifts to utilize and encourage one another within the body of Christ. Wouldn't you agree? We all have gifts. Some of us are trying to figure those out. Um, you know, I, that, that happens. Uh, I know over, over time, like, I was like, yeah, I have this gift, da, 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 da. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, well, maybe it really wasn't that gift. And God sort of refines those things. But we all have gifts to utilize and encourage here at ICP within the body of Christ, here in Prague with other people, here in collaboration with other churches and organizations. But God does not intend for the community, the Christian community, to be inward-looking or to compete with one another. Because as I said in the beginning, collaboration is not competition. We are to be salt and light. That's what Matthew talks about in chapter 5. This means that we have to work together. It doesn't matter if we're introverted or extroverted or whatever Enneagram number you are. Um, it doesn't matter. We have to work together so that we can offer a taste, offer a glimpse of the restorative and redemptive work of Jesus Christ in the here and now, right now, today, because God's kingdom is for everyone. Friday night, we're sitting there and we're worshiping in a small little room, probably no bigger than maybe this little corner over here where the rug is, and there's like I don't know, it might have been a little bit bigger now. There's like 50 people like crammed in this room of, of Ukrainians, just crammed in this room. And, and I sat there, and I was about to talk about this, but in a much more abbreviated, translated form. Um, and it just reminded me, God's kingdom is for all, right? It's for everyone. I mean, yes, we're all in the Czech Republic. We know the Czech Republic needs Jesus, so maybe we should tr try to stop doing everything on our own, and get excited about what would God accomplish through each and every one of you today? What would God accomplish if we work together as a team 
with people in groups already doing good work for the gospel. For the last year, we've been planning uh, on launching this church that just happened six weeks ago, Church Without Borders. And over the last seven or eight months, uh, I've had a lot of ups and downs. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, uh, back home in America, like, to launch a church, for me, like, done it before, uh, it was hard. It's difficult. But nothing like here. And I have met, uh, I think I've kept a tally, Uh, I've met with over 100 people, uh, mainly people for worship, mainly people to help with like tech and sound, because you know it's very difficult to find over here, uh, but just partnering with other Czech pastors and Czech churches all over the Czech Republic. Um, but really, more importantly, halfway through doing that, God just sort of kind of tapped me on my shoulder and said, yeah, yeah, I know you're trying to build my church. It's not your church, Jeff, my church. I need you to look at this through collaborative eyes. If you are going to be, and the name of our church is Church Without Borders, what are you going to do to partner with other churches? What are you going to do to partner with other people? And that just really drove this this message in, and that's where this message comes from, because, you know, how does, here's this last question, how does giving up control allow us in the church to give more freely and generously in the community? Let me repeat that. How does giving up control, we all like to control, every single one of us, we love to control allow the church to give more freely and generously in the community. That control could be time. You know, that control could be be all kinds of things. And so I hit a point a few months ago, uh, and my wife is my greatest counselor. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it's all about collaboration. When we had dinner with Mike uh, a few weeks ago before, uh, you know, he accepted here, it was like getting to know him and saying, yeah, let's collaborate, let's work together. We're not in competition. Churches should not be in competition. Collaboration is Christians working together to expand the kingdom of the gospel, right? Expand the kingdom of the gospel. He has blessed us with places to come on Sunday or, in our case, Saturday night to worship. But we are to join hands and link arms and go out into the community and share the message I read this article, and this is going to be the last sort of kind of thing here. This article highlights eight ways the church or Christian organizations benefits from partnering with groups in our communities. And here's the caveat to this, Christian or non-Christian. And that might be a little, little difficult to hear. But here's what it says. Number one, here's some benefits. It increases our sphere of influence. You got that? Like it increases our circle Uh, There's more work, uh, I believe, being done by churches than uh, by any other group of people in the entire world. I mean, we look at the Ukrainian response. We look at any natural disaster response. um, Lots of things are going on. But a lot of times, many people outside the church do not know about it uh, because we often insulate ourselves in our little church church bubble. Um, Number two, it says here, it can impact people's perception of Christians and Jesus. How, How can we reach our communities if they have no idea that we love them. We can't just post it on social media. We can't just put it on Insta or Facebook or TikTok or whatever. We actually have to go and build relationships. How will they know we love them if we don't work alongside them? That's at work, at school, wherever. Number three, it says it bursts our church world bubble. Uh, For me, I've always grown up in the church. I grew up in a nice little Christian family with the Christian schools, right? And then I went to a college, and my bubble got burst. I didn't go to a Christian college. Quite the opposite. 
Church people tend to see one set of problems, challenges, sins. Uh, unchurched people often see an entirely different set. In our first six weeks of launching our church, some of the people that we're counseling, they have no idea they're living in sin. No idea. They don't know Jesus. They don't know God. But they're like, man, something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't, like, there's some conflict going on. And so we have to get outside of our bubble, okay, and work alongside unchurched people. And that's difficult. It's uncomfortable. Because number four here, it shakes up our comfort zone, right? It shakes up our comfort zone. I like my comfort zone. That'll be this afternoon in front of the TV on my couch for a little Sunday afternoon nap. I like my comfort zone. I like my apartment. It's also dangerous. Because hanging around fellow believers, is, it's easy. Sometimes too easy. Because I know when I went to college, all I had ever done is hung out with Christians. And I got to college, and I was around literally no Christians. And my faith got rattled. The comfort was gone. The comfort was gone. Uh, the fifth point here is it helps us reach people we can't reach. When we show up and become involved in other people's lives that are not Christian, at our workplace, at our school, wherever, we get to show the love of Christ to people who never look for it in a church. A couple of months ago, I was having, Carrie and I were having dinner at a Vietnamese restaurant over near Zhishkov, and the lady looked at, at us, and she's like, y'all are different. And at first, I took offense to that, like, like am I weird looking? Am I, like, do I have a weird accent? Like, what's going on here? She goes, no, something's different about y'all. Y'all are super nice, and da-da-da-da. And um, she's like, um, so why are y'all here in Prague? Maybe you've gotten the same question. And I told her. She looked at us. She goes, you're absurd. She didn't mean offense to that. At first, I took offense to that. I'm like, wait, you're calling me absurd? Like, right? Um, but she's like, that's absurd. Like, you, you, would, you would come here to, to reach people who are not Christian, uh, to show this Jesus. He, she goes, who I believe nothing is a fiction. He's a fictional character, right? Uh, but we have to do that. We have to get out there and reach people that otherwise we would not reach because ultimately it becomes less about self-serving and more about serving others. And it stretches our faith. And that last point, the number eight point here is it's humbling. It's humbling. We all need Jesus, Christians and non-Christians. We all need Jesus. Uh, but we don't express that very well at times. Sometimes in our enthusiasm to share our faith, uh, we can come across sometimes a little bit different. We have to be cautious of that. Um, because arrogance is not a Christian value. We have to be humble. Yes, we have the answer. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. But we don't have all the answers in life. It's okay to say, hey, I don't know. Come to church with me on Sunday. Hey, I don't know. Come over for a meal. Let's talk about it. Build those relationships because working alongside people like this early church, how it started, is a great way to break us from arrogance, from pride, from competition, even compromising values. There's nothing any of us can do to make Jesus look better than he already is. I need you to hear that today. There's nothing we can do in our own power to make Jesus look better than he already is. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven. He has empowered us with the Holy Spirit to reach people for his kingdom. And humility looks good on us. So as I wrap up here and the band comes back up here, um, 
just want to leave you with a couple points here. God has placed us in our unique communities. He has. I don't know what community you're in. Uh, Today we're all in the church community, but God has placed us in our unique communities. I love seeing people's unique skill sets. I really do, because I believe that is just such a beautiful picture of of how God has created us, how God has gifted us. Um, But he's given us these unique skill sets, not just to hang out or what I like to say, bide our time until he returns. We should not just like become a Christian and put that sucker in neutral. We shouldn't do that. We have to put ourselves out there. And so today my challenge as we leave here today is what does collaboration look like for you? We should not sit on our hands until Jesus returns. We want to be found doing exactly what the Father has asked us to do. So in closing, if we want to live out the commission, the great commission, to grow in community here at ICP, to grow in community as international churches across Prague to reach people for Jesus, to live by his commandments, then we must find ways to collaborate for the advancement of the gospel. And so as they lead us uh, in this time of worship, who can you partner with to show the love of Christ in our community? Maybe it's somebody here. Maybe it's somebody at your work. Maybe it's somebody uh, at your school. I don't know. Who can you partner with to show the love of Christ in our community? Let us pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for uh, just this message. Thank you for the reminder of collaboration and working together. And yes, Lord, we know this. We know that working together is much better than isolating ourselves and, and trying to do things on our own because we know what happens when we do that, whether it's carrying groceries or carrying burdens in our life or carrying other people's burdens, Father. We know that's not good. And so, Lord, just impress upon us today that none of us can do it all. And that collaboration is an important part of living in community and contributing to the society that you have placed us in because it allows us to work together to seek the good of our community, but more importantly, to expand the reach of the gospel message as we live and serve in the here and now. So Lord, let us take this scripture, let us take the words, let us be led by the Spirit, Father, so that we can reach Prague and beyond for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only one that gives us eternal hope, the only one that saves us from ourselves, saves us from our sins, the only one, Lord, that, that, can, that can change direction in our life, the only one that can transform us, even as Christians, even as Christians. So, Father, we love you, and we need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.